0: It's a six and a touchdown. Fell into the middle of that line and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85
2: yards. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They
0: got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit oh immediately when he got the handoff. You know and it's <laughs> the q <Q-inator. laughs> Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the
3: TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter. I playlikeajet1. And we are getting to know the newest additions to the New York Jets, all the draft picks that were selected in the 2020 NFL Draft. And one of the guys that has become one of the most popular picks instantly with Jets fans is Bryce Hall, who was picked at number 158 in the fifth round out of the University of Virginia, the cornerback. Somebody that a lot of Jets fans thought they might pick in the third round. Instead, he ends up sliding to the fifth, and I wanted to delve into him more deeply because that's what we do on this show. I want to get some more background on him and find out from somebody who's covered him on the ground at UVA and so went out and got one of the best. He comes highly recommended from Travis Milton. And if you know anything about Travis, who, by the way, is one of a co-host on there's always next year here on the play like a jet feed you know that he doesn't recommend people lightly but he spoke super highly of this man so had to try to get him on the podcast and thankfully he was willing to come on and talk about bryce hall mr brad franklin the publisher of CavsCorner.com, and the host of the Cavs corner podcast brad thanks so much for coming on man glad to be here guys how are we doing hey listen i am thrilled right now that the Jets got Bryce Hall in the fifth round, <laughs> not quite as thrilled as Travis or Thomas Jones, who were both doing happy dances, but I am very happy that they were able to get Bryce Hall because he's somebody that I think could have gone in the first round if he had come out last year, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but first I want to get into his background with you a little bit. He's very close with his brother, who actually spent some time on the practice squad for the 49ers and was a standout player at Stanford. He's somebody that helped mold him as a man and as a player. What do you know about that relationship?
2: Uh, You know, I've known Bryce, man, since he was, um, I want to say, 15, 16 years old when, when the previous staff at UVA started to recruit him. And the thing that I think really stood out to me wasn't just that relationship or maybe the one with his parents or, or whatever, it was really just the way that um, you never heard anything about the kid that didn't fit, right? So um, he was a, kind of a lightly recruited wide receiver coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, was a guy that I, I think Virginia at the time, that their previous coaching staff when they offered him, I think looked at him as, as a potential wideout. Once Bronco and his people saw him and got a hold of that thing, it was very clear very quickly that you know, they thought his future was on the defensive side. But everything that I learned about him and everything that he, you know, he did during his time in Charlottesville, um, it, 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 it never seemed out of character, right? So, I mean, the kid was he, – he, he answered every question. Honestly, he was the guy who gave us copious amounts of quotes and was a guy who was more than happy to, to expound. Um, he was also somebody who, on game day, was as fierce a competitor as they come, but at the same time, I think, never really lost sight of who he was. And, and, and I think throughout the entire time I've known him, um, whether, you know, it's his relationship with family, relationship with teammates, relationship with coaches, you know, for guys maybe older than him who, um, you know, who, uh, you know, battling injuries, for example, um, you know, he was always a, a consummate um, part of that program, even before he was an upperclassman. I think he, he really hit the ground running. He, he, he was a four-year starter uh, up until his injury. I think he, he started every game. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Bryce is just, as good a football player as he is, and he's a great football player, which we'll talk about in a second, I think he's an even better person. And I think that really sort of speaks to it. It's the foundation of who he is. It's sort of the um, the work he does on himself, the work he does in the community, the, the way he sort of sees the world and the impact he thinks he can have on it.
3: I want to get back to the conversion from wide receiver to corner in a bit. But first, I wanted to ask you a little bit about his choice of UVA. Apparently, he had two scholarship offers. And like you said, he was lightly recruited, Coastal Carolina and UVA. What do you remember about what UVA saw in him at the time as a wide receiver? And what do you remember about why he chose UVA over Coastal Carolina, other than the fact that obviously UVA is better known?
2: I think ultimately that you know that piece of it was huge for him, right? I think that the, the opportunity to play in the ACC uh, it, this time of the of the Mike London era at UVA there were a lot of kids who um, you know who maybe uh, they were either you know we'll, we'll say lightly recruited, right? There were guys who who maybe weren't on very many radar screens. Um, he committed to UVA in the summer um, um, of 2015, so that would have been you know just before. Um, you know things got you know before the the coaching change and everything six, three he was 63 195 his i remember his film you know he he seemed like a solid athlete but he, but he just wasn't necessarily polished and so we had him in our database at, um as uh, as an athlete I, I think once bronco and 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 his staff um you know they had a um, you know they had a a real sense right away of you know sort of the blueprint for each position right So, they like Tall, long, lean linebackers. They like tall, athletic corners. They like safeties who, who can hit. They like uh, defensive linemen who are, um, you know, a prototypical size. And so, I think right away, because of his length, um, even if he had, even if you know he p- committed to the previous coaching staff as a, um, you know, as a wide receiver, I, I just think that it was it was evident right away that he was he was not meant for that side of the ball. And I remember talking to him about. Um, you know, Steve Fairchild was the offensive coordinator back in those days. And he, he – he, I remember Bryce telling me, you know, well, there's always a chance I guess I could play defense. And then as soon as Bronco and his folks got there, and Nick Howell, who was the co-defensive coordinator and who's done a really good job with defensive backs. But, you know, folks who pay attention to the league will probably know Juan Thornhill, who really starred uh, in his uh, rookie season out in Kansas City and had it not been for a, an ACL injury late in the year, you know, he was a, he was a key part of what they were able to do. Um, but I, I think Bryce always kind of had the, the 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 versatility to play both. I, I just think that once the new staff saw him and, and saw his length and athleticism. But I think too, like the, the thing about the kid is that he is tenacious as it comes. When it when when you when you consider not just the 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 appetite he had for watching film, but also sort of the appetite he had for for, for tweaking his game. He was not somebody who wanted to go out at night. He was not you know he was not somebody you need to worry about you know. Uh, who didn't have his head on straight come game day? I mean, he was a kid who who was in his playbook, who was in film. Um, I've heard lots of stories from coaches over the years talking about chasing him out of the film room. That basically they they come in there, you know, some Friday nights, and he's still in there, and they're like, "Hey, can you know go out like leave like get out of here," um, you know, because they want to shut the building down. But that's just kind of who Bryce was from from the time that you know uh, he started being recruited. I think really he wanted to take the most. Um, make the most of this opportunity and certainly the opportunity to play in the ACC, to play division one, you know, power five, FBS football was a, was a big deal. But I also think too, like for him, the education side of it too was important. Um, and that was something um, that really probably helped him um, a lot just in terms of, you know, for a lot of kids that during that time frame, and for people who are UVA fans or know anything about the transition between coaches, you know, that first recruiting class was largely guys that the previous staff had recruited. And I, I think the, the hook was the University of Virginia was that, yeah, you're going to play ACT football, but you're also going to be able to get a world-class education. So a lot of those kids, I think, hung with it because of that opportunity. Bryce, I, I think he, he wanted to play at the highest level he could. And certainly, I think the education was a, was a big factor, too. But in, in, the, in the final analysis, I don't think he ever was, was unsure of, of the direction, even when they said, hey, we're going to change positions on you. I think he was full steam ahead and he never, never, you know, up until the injury, he never really slowed down.
3: He rose to the challenge both. Academically and athletically too Because he did really well in the classroom But he also did really well in the field And as you said, this is a guy that's determined Because he came in as a wideout. They switched him to cornerback And he still found a way to start Seven games in his freshman season Which is remarkable for a kid To come into a big time conference Like that and switch positions And be able to play at a level Where he's good enough to start right away Then he played well his sophomore season But his junior season is what everybody remembers, led the entire country with 22 pass breakups. And some people believed he was going to go in the first round, but decided to come back. They always say stay in school kids, but sometimes very rare cases, maybe that's wrong. In the case of Bryce Hall, perhaps he shouldn't have stayed in school, but he had very specific reasons for staying. What were they? But I think all, you know, one
2: was he wanted to do more, you know, for the program. So at the time he came, his freshman year, that team was two and ten. Um, by the time he left there, winning the you know they're going to the Orange Bowl, they're winning the Coastal Division, they're breaking the st- losing streak of Virginia Tech. Um, I think for him, he felt like there was a sense of unfinished business. I also think that he's a very faithful kid, um, somebody who has a um, a deep connection with God, and and he really thought that his 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 mission, his sort of his path, was meant to. To to be to to go back to to spend that time, you know, finishing out his degree and um you know getting ready for the next level. I also think from a football standpoint, as much as he was likely on that bubble between the first and second rounds, had he decided to come out, um you know he he had a great season that junior year, and and I'm certainly not going to stand here and (laughs) tell you it wasn't. I mean, look, I I was at the point where I was in a press box. If you threw to Bryce Hall's side of the field, uh, good luck to you because the kid was either he was going to knock it down. Um, or he was going to intercept it. I mean, the, the, I, I I so rarely saw receptions. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, are there any receptions I can even like remember him giving up as a junior? And there's one catch against Virginia Tech in the uh, regular season finale. I can remember him, him going up for a, a jump ball and in, in in this athletic tight end kid, Dalton Keene, who just got picked by the um, Patriots, came down with it. Um, but o- otherwise, like, you know, you just didn't throw at him. Um, and I think that that was a good thing. The problem was, I think, from the NFL side is like, okay, why do you have so many PBUs and not enough interceptions, right? So I think for for a guy who um, has really good, but maybe not necessarily elite speed, for a guy who has um, maybe a little bit more stiffness in his hips than 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 they would like at that level, especially for a guy who plays a lot of you know zone corner, right? So he's not he's not playing a lot of man; uh, he's playing a lot of zone stuff. Um, so he's shutting down one half of the field, but he's not following the best receiver you know, wherever that receiver goes. I just think that he had a lot of, um, he had a lot of boxes that he could, he could check off, not necessarily to, you know, to, um, you know, to get to a place where he was going to be drafted. Right. I I just think to fine tune what was already a really good skill set and a really good resume. I think that that was part of his decision. And I think ultimately, you know, he doesn't seem to regret it, regardless of that injury at Miami, regardless of, you know, the fact that it really robbed him of that, um, that lead up to the, to the draft and certainly left a lot of question marks I would say one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, he was picked where he was, um, I don't think if you talk to him, I don't think he regrets it at all. I think he's a, a big believer in that everything happens for a reason and that this was you know, what the um, what the path was for him. And I think as, knowing this kid the way I do, knowing how tenacious he is, knowing how focused he is, knowing how relentless he is, uh, all it's going to do is make, him, is make him work harder. Um, he's going to come out, I think, and, and really he, he's going to enjoy proving a lot of people who doubted him wrong,
1: Play like a
0: jet. Play like a jet.
3: You mentioned the injury, and that's why he dropped from a potential first or second-round prospect down to the fifth round. What do you know about the injury? Where is he at with that? Any idea?
2: Yeah, well, when we talked to him a couple weeks ago, he was at a point where uh, he wanted to be back to 100% before he really could could do a lot. Um, And what I mean by that is he wanted to be fully cleared before he really pushed the issue. Uh, He was in a place, he said, where he was starting to run again. you know, he, he, if folks haven't seen it, he, uh, he, at Virginia, all of the starters play on at least one special teams unit. Um, not, um, you, you know, not necessarily a thing that happens everywhere, but here is a situation where he, he's on a punt return unit. He's blocking, uh, and the guy just kind of, um, the returner just kind of came behind him, uh, and, a, and a, another player fell on his foot. He broke his tibia and his fibula um, right at the base of the ankle. Um, so if anybody, I don't know if they saw the game, but it was a pretty kind of gruesome injury. Um, but really quickly, I think he, he was able to to sort of mentally move from, Hey, this is a horrible thing that happened to me to How can I, you know, how, what's my, what's my path back. And so he focused on that. Um, every time we, we saw him, he was always on the sidelines. He was, you know, probably the biggest cheerleader. Um, you know, when, once he had the surgery and he was, um, on the little, um, cart, he was a lot of times he's in the press box. So I got to see him a lot. Um, because he would be in the uh, in the boots with the with the coaches but um, you know he he seems like he's right on the cusp of being back to 100 percent in terms of um, you know getting the whole full um, range of motion in that ankle um, being able to plant and cut um he, he would – i think he probably if he had been able to have a pro day uh, I, I think you probably would have seen him do some stuff he might not have done everything uh, but that was one of the things he told us when we when we caught up with him uh, a few weeks ago is that you know, ultimately, he would—he wanted to try to be 100% um, before the draft, but certainly um, hereafter, you know, he's—he's he's so close to it. If he's not, you know, technically there by today, it won't be long. Um, and I think that's probably just a testament to, like I said, he's a really focused kid. If anybody was going to be diligent about their rehab, uh, it was going to be him. Not just because of the NFL draft piece, but I think also too because uh, he's not—he's not accustomed to sitting. Like you said, he—he <laughs> he came in as a freshman and started a whole bunch of games and didn't really leave the field. Um, from that point forward So i think that the sooner he can get better you know get out there he was going to do it and i think um as as jet fans look forward i think you're going to once once there is some sort of training camp once you know there are some you know some actual team events i think bryce hall is to surprise a lot of uh, a lot of jet fans as well
3: i got to be honest with you brad from reading about him and from talking to you This guy almost seems like he was made up in a storybook It's unbelievable (laughs) his character I can't even get over it He should be nominated for Sainthood In addition to the fact that like you said He's not a guy that goes out He just studies film and works on his schoolwork And the fact that he's constantly just putting in time Trying to learn his craft Being a good teammate Being a good person On his days off he volunteers at the local elementary schools teaching reading and writing to underprivileged children. I'm serious, Brad. I don't even know what to say. This kid's like an inspirational character in a movie. Yeah,
2: you can, he's an easy kid to pull for. Uh, Virginia does a program called Thursday's Heroes. And what that means is, is that every Thursday of game week, they bring on um, someone, usually, a, a, usually it's a kid, um, maybe somebody who's battling some sort of illness, somebody who has a developmental disorder, um, a wide range of different um, reasons, maybe that they are, you know, um, chosen. But ultimately, you know, it's a it's a kid who who for for them the opportunity to go spend a little bit of time um, with the players um, is a is a huge deal, right? So it's not just like a you know your normal kid off the street, and the joy with which a lot of these kids um the, the, when i say kids there i mean players a lot joy with which these players and you know really buy into this program and, and look forward to those thursdays bryce was you know chief among them right so if anybody out there wants to go and find some clips on youtube or virginia sports tv um of thursday's heroes you're going to see a lot of bryce hall in the front you know whether it's handing out the the, the gifts from the little gift bags they would give the the kids or uh, maybe wearing a superhero uh, costume for some of them. They, they would typically like ask the kids what, you know, what's your favorite this, or what do you like to do? And then they would kind of craft the time that they spend with the team sort of around that. Um, and he was always one of the first ones, one of the ones right in the in the front, leading the group, leading the team, um, you know, toss, tossing out high fives, whatever. Um, it doesn't in a lot of ways seem like he's kind of, you know, he's kind of came from central casting. Right. But I mean, that's just, you know, it's a, it's, it's a choice for him. And I think, um, as, as he went through his career at UVA and certainly, you know, from having known him from when he was a teenager, um, none of it surprised me, um, nothing along the way, the way he handled the injury, the way he, he handled being an all American, um, they were exactly the same, which was, you know, he's a low key guy. He, uh, he is who he is. He's not, he's not, uh, worried about being anybody else. He's not focused on, you know, anything else. Um, he just goes about his business, does the best he can to be, the best person he can be and, and on the field, I think is that that there's a drive. He's a competitive guy. Now, don't get me wrong. He might be nice, but he you know, he's no pusher. He on the field, he you know, he'll he'll step up to the to the challenge. He's he's as competitive a dude um as come through that program, which I think, frankly, is one of the reasons why he's so dang good. I think, you know, he was somebody who thought, well if I can watch a little bit more film, I can be better. Well if I can watch just a little bit more film, I can be better. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can get a little bit more field work, I can be better. And so I think that that, that Tenacity is not does not come with a um, you know with any kind of um, caveat. It just, it's not a thing where you 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 get this and you have to deal with that. No, no, for him he's just a, a good dude who loves football and he and he goes out there and he gives it everything he's got. And I think, like I said before, I think Jeff fans are going to be very happy, as, as happy as I know they are coming out of the draft because you know in a lot of ways he is one of the biggest steals of the draft. Um, I, I think folks are going to be even happier once they see him on the field uh, and, and they're able to see what he's able to do.
3: Brad, I almost feel silly asking this question after what you've said over the last couple of questions that I've asked you, but I have to ask it anyway. I'm assuming that his coaches and his teammates like him, yes?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what I thought was really interesting, though, is not just the excitement for him going into draft weekend. And certainly, I mean, you know, he was a team captain, he was a guy who, um, you know, I, I want to say that this team was devastated by by his by that injury, but in a lot of ways, because of the way he rallied them. I mean, almost instantly. I mean, he's on the cart. His his foot. I mean, not to be too graphic. His foot is literally hanging off of him. Right. He's on the cart that the air cast is on, and all he's doing is focused on his players. He's focused on his guys, and and he did that almost immediately. Um. And he and he and he didn't stop. I mean, from the time you know he was hurt through surgery, after surgery, rehab, all of it. Uh, he was he, he was as fully invested in that team as it could come, and I think that that really resonated with his teammates. But at the same time, none of it surprised them. I think that's just, you know, when you go out, he's not a big talker, but he's definitely a guy who leads by example. I, w- I would go to spring practices or fall camp and watch him. And, I mean, you, you know, here's a guy who was, you know, he was an All-American. He was like, you know, one of the three best cornerbacks in the country, and he would never know it, right? One, because at UVA, they don't give numbers in the spring. Everything's earned, <laughs> not given. So uh, they don't have numbers. Um, but you, you, you wouldn't know it just from – there's no prima donna in him. There's, no, there's none of that. I mean, dude just goes to work. So, yeah, he's, he's beloved by his teammates, um, beloved by his coaches. Um, and when, the thing I thought was really cool, though, is that a guy named Andre Lavroni, who was a wide receiver at UVA, uh, I think he had a cup of coffee with the Ravens. Um, he, he graduated like two years ago. And he had this really heartfelt message for Bryce the day of the draft. Basically, you know, remembering a you know a cheerful conversation the two of them had, you know, in, in the summer of 2016. Um, which you know, Charles uh, has been through some stuff, as everybody you know well knows. Um, but I think just the fact that he's able to make that kind of impact on a player who's no longer even there, right? A guy who was older than him, a guy who didn't even play on the same side of the ball as he played, right? That really, I think, kind of encapsulates for me um, a little bit of, of just how special Bryce is, and the fact that for a lot of guys, um, you know, who who got an opportunity last year because he didn't, he wasn't playing, right? So there are a lot of young defensive backs who got to play a, a, a lot of snaps last season because Bryce got hurt, and yet um, you, you almost they almost felt bad the whole time, right? You you would talk to the kids about it, and you could tell that they just, they knew he was supposed to be out there. They respected him so much. But the idea that they were going to be better, you know, in their careers because they got this burn, right? Because they got this time on the field, um, that that it it, it almost—I I don't want to say it messed with them, but it, it it felt like you know they had some almost some survivor's remorse out of the deal. Um, that's just I think a testament to, to who Bryce is, whose teammates thought him to be. Um, if you get Bronco Mendenhall or, or Nick Howell, his, his defense coordinator, and DBs coach, talking about him, I mean, you know, I hope you got plenty of tape, um, hope you got plenty of battery in your recorder because they're not going to stop for a long, long time. And and anybody who's listening to this and hearing me he going on about it, I mean, I guess it's kind of the same token. And Like I said, the dude, uh, he was as an a kid to cover, uh, as I've had since I've been the publisher's website for the last decade plus. Um, and and I'm, frankly, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss covering him. I'm going to miss uh, knowing that one side of the field is locked down. So if the, if the quarterback looks over there, I, I know I can go ahead and um, mark that either as an incompletion or, or an interception, because there's, there's very little chance he's going to be giving up much Uh, that's, that's for sure.
3: Well, Brad, if you want to visit and go to a Jets game, you let me know, and I will hook you up with some (laughs) of the best pizza places that you could ever imagine. So you're welcome here. (laughs) Anytime you want to come watch Bryce Hall play. I got to ask you though, since we're talking about the transition from Virginia to New York, and he grew up in Kansas. Obviously, very different here in New York than in Virginia, than in Kansas. It's a whole lot different just in terms of the media, in terms of the fan base. People here can get a little bit crazy. And obviously, as you know, if somebody messes up, it's going to be amplified everywhere. Of course, the flip side of that is if you do great, you're going to be a hero on a grand scale. How do you think Bryce Hall would handle New York? I have a feeling you're going to say he's going to be fine, but... I'm just curious how a small town kid would do under the bright lights in the big city.
2: I I, I guess I got two words for you: the brick of Shaw Ferguson. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Similar sort of you know pedigree, similar sort of mindset. Similar. Now, granted, Brick was a was a obviously a, a high draft pick. He he went in with a lot of hype, but you never got the sense uh, from you know, and I didn't get the I, I didn't get the cover of brick. He's a little before my time, but you, you never got the sense from him. Um, during his time at UVA, or, or once he left, you never got the sense that any of that stuff mattered to him, right? The thing with Bryce Hall, I think, is going to be, is that he's finally going to be able—and this is going to sound bad because I know he's a really good student and he enjoys that part of it—but now he, his job, will be the thing that he enjoys most. And I think for a lot of guys, you know, who who maybe come from smaller towns, you know, I can I, I can understand the, the allure of the bright lights can sometimes be too too great to, a. um too great of a thing, but, but for Bryce, the opportunity, man, he gets to get paid to go watch film. He's going to get paid to go be better at his craft. I mean, if, if ever there was a, a more perfect union between person and purpose, I'm not sure. Uh, it's it just, you know, I just think that that's not going to be something you need to worry about. Like I said, he's a, he's a quiet, soft-spoken kid who, when he talks, he means what he says, but I also think the opportunity for him to, to go to the next level and really test himself and, Um, And really, you know, put in those hours, focus solely on it. Uh, I think he's going to relish it. I think he's going to be great. When he gets that opportunity to to see the field, I think he's going to make the most of it. Um, And like I said before, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it until, you know, Jet fans tell me I'm right, but folks are going to be really happy um, that the Jets made that move and picked him up.
3: I would have thought he was a steal in the fourth round. I would have even been happy with him in the third. But to get him in the fifth round seemed like too good to be true. And then to talk to you, Brad, and hear all of this on top of what we see on tape, like I said, he seems like he was created in a lab. Almost doesn't feel like a real person I can't wait to watch Bryce Hall come in here. And there are people that think that maybe he's not going to be able to contribute a lot until 2021, but it sounds like Brad, despite the injury, he's going to give it everything he has. And based on what you're telling me, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he comes in here and went to starting spot because nothing's guaranteed with the current corners and he's certainly good enough to compete. So if there's anybody that could overcome what he's got in front of him, it certainly sounds like it would be Bryce Hall, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the roster situation is, and I'm not sure what their, um, you know, what the what, what kind of stuff he's got in front of him. But once he's given that green light, I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be, um, you know, it, it's going to be pretty quick. I think for him to get back to, to to where he wants to be, you know, I think it's something he he like I said before. Even though he's a quiet, kind of soft spoken kid, he's tenacious and he's he's hungry. And I think that's one of the things that was always true about him is that like even when he was the you know one of the best what two three corners in the nation you know, when, when he's leaving the country and past breakups, you know, when, when, when I'm at a point where, when, you know, teams would, would throw his way, I, I would literally say, I would literally tweet out, like, i still don't understand why anybody throws in his direction ever. Um, but even when he was that good, he, he would never have known it. Like you never would have known that that's where his, you know, what his status was. And so I feel like, you know, in, in this situation where he's kind of, you know, you know, been counted out a little bit by some people, certainly the, the draft, I'm sure was a humbling experience for him because, you know, he was on the cusp of the first round a year ago um, before he made that decision to come back. So I, I don't think that it's going to take him long at all. Um, physically, you know, he's got to get himself to where he, he needs to be, certainly with the sort of situation in the country right now and with the pandemic and, you know, the opportunity to, to really get to a gym, for example, and really work out. But one of the good things about, I guess, being a corner is like you can always run. Uh, once you're able to run, you can run. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to take long once uh, once that rubber meets that road for him to to make good on, on not just all the things that all the people have said about him, but also the expectations that he has for himself.
3: I love the pick of Bryce Hall number 158 overall in the fifth round and I love it even more now after having talked to Brad Franklin of CavsCorner.com. Brad, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Amazing insight that you brought on the Jets' newest cornerback edition. I can't wait to watch this kid play. Like I said, he seems like a dream on and off the field so what a steal Joe Douglas may have gotten in the fifth round for the New York Jets. Like I said, can't wait to watch him play and Hopefully, like you said, with what's going on in the country, we don't know, but hopefully there is some training camp that we get to see him in. And I think, based on what you're telling me, he's going to compete for a starting job day one. Brad, for those that want to talk to you on social media, maybe listen to your podcast, check out your coverage of UVA, where can they go, and what do they have in store for them when they find you? And
2: you can check us out at castcorner.com. We are the, uh, the Virginia site on the Rivals Network. Um, we cover football, basketball, and recruiting for both sports. Primarily speaking, so we got a message board, we got content items that roll through. And obviously we've got a podcast where we talk every week about whatever is, is on the, on the minds of UVA fans. Um, you know, we, I'm a, you can follow us on Twitter at Cavs underscore corner, um, which is a great place for when we do have games and game updates, content items. And, uh, I like to say my occasional woody banter, but to, definitely if you're, if you're a UVA fan out there, check us out on the podcast. That's probably that's probably the place where I do my best work. Um, but ultimately, once, uh, once, once things get back to normal, we'll be back covering games, covering uh, Bronco Mendenhall, his program, covering Tony Bennett and his coming off of a, you know, they're still, I guess, technically still the reigning national champions in college basketball. Um, so, if you are a UVA fan, you're so going to give a look. Cavscorner.com.
3: Go ahead and visit Brad on Twitter. And, of course, check out his work at CavsCorner.com and listen to the podcast. As you can tell, he's really, really good at conveying these points, especially as it pertains to Bryce Hall. So if you're interested in some of the other prospects that Jets fans may be looking at, perhaps even for next year's draft, there's a great place to find it. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us. Be quite grateful. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. So if you could do that for us, really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.